Yeah. I've heard some people testify of, of an experience of heaven. And they're good testimonies. We don't know the half of it. (laughs) And, you know, we get glimpses sometimes, I think. Just little glimpses (laughs) of what God has in store. (laughs) But he's got so much more in store. (laughs) Hallelujah. And just think about the the God of all creation. He actually likes to be present. <laughs> when we worship (laughs) he delights in our worship (laughs) can you understand that (laughs) it doesn't matter whether you can hold a tune or not (laughs) it's got nothing to do with that it's, it's the expression that's coming from our heart towards him. And he loves it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I'm going to give an offering message this morning. It's might grow into something else. If you've got your Bibles or devices. In Luke chapter 12. Oh, Jesus. I was um, was sharing this morning just that 
um, yeah, briefing this morning. Um, and not something that I was thinking about a lot prior to, but it came to me that our that God is love and that our God is a consuming fire. And they're not contradictory. <laughs> the Bible says that there is no sin that will dwell in his presence. Sin can't dwell in his presence. If we're going to dwell in his presence, God had to make an end of sin. And he did that in Jesus. So that fire of God that burns out the rubbish out of our lives is the love of God. (laughs) Because without it, we can't come into his presence. But we live in such a time, we live in this, this period of, of, of grace. That the grace of God is just so abundantly available. <laughs> and sometimes we look in our humanity, we look at people and, and the things that are going on in the world and you think, come on God, <laughs> just deal with that. And the fire of God is, is coming <laughs> and it will come in a big way. But, you know, we can actually put up our hand and open our heart to God and just let him do that work. <laughs> just allow him to do that work. Luke chapter 12. Oh, this is all good. Just been teaching, Jesus was teaching about the fear of God and all manner of things. Pick it up in verse 13, though. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself saying, 
What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. I just want to go through a few elements of, of this. In verse 14, Jesus said, Who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, why did Jesus say that? This man was coming. He said, oh, you know, my, my big brother is the executor of the will and he's, he's, not, he's not handing it over. Tell him to hand it over. Tell him to hand over my part. But Jesus said, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? Is it because we are each free moral agents? You actually get to decide what you think. Sometimes thoughts come to us. Imaginations come to us. And they come from a source that's not good. The battlefield is the mind, we know that. And we're to cast those imaginations down, bring them into captivity to the word of God. But we can choose to take a thought and run with it. And it can become a stronghold. But we get to choose. We actually get to choose what we're going to do with the thoughts, the feelings, the things that come to us. It's in our authority or, to, or power to decide the direction we will take and what importance we place on the things of this life. Each of us. We get to choose. So verse 15. What Jesus do, does here is to give advice. I'll read it again. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Take heed. Listen. Beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Jesus was actually giving advice. He was making something... No, you, know, you go to somebody to get advice. Hopefully they're, 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 you know, they're not dictatorial and say, thou shalt. They give advice. You go to somebody to, to get input. And the Bible says, you know, in, 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 with many counsellors, there's, there's, there's safety. Jesus was giving advice. This is, this is what you need to be aware of. This is not what you need to beware of. And then in verse 
16 to 21, he fleshes out that advice with, with a parable. Now, the advice was there because there are always consequences. Our thinking leads to action. Our action always has consequences. So the parable of the rich fool fleshes out that advice. Now, four times in that parable, this man, this rich farmer says, I will. I will, I will, I will, I will. Four's the number of the world. Just a worldly attitude. I will, I will. So the motivation of the rich fool was to gratify his flesh and his attitude was completely self-centred, was completely centred on himself. If you read it, Let's read it again. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully and he thought within himself, within himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops for and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years, eat, drink and be merry. Fool. Fool. Now sometimes we read scriptures in, in like that yeah, you can take a scripture and, and you can take it completely out of balance and make it say something it's, it's not saying. So Jesus was being clear here that self-centeredness or if we're looking at stewardship, using what we have just for me or just for us is dangerous. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. <laughs> Where's the focus? Children's children. It's outside. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Proverbs 28.8 says, this is out of the Passion Translation. Go ahead and get rich on the backs of the poor, but all the wealth you gather will one day <laughs> be given to those who are kind to the needy. <laughs> There's a lot of storing up going on in this planet today. It's in the hands of ones like this rich farmer. They just want to use it on themselves. But once again, it's stored up for those who will be kind to the needy. That's, that's an external focus. <laughs> it's not about me. 
And we can each say that. It's not about me. And if it is about me, there's an issue. Both those scriptures, though, the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Wealth you gather will one day be given to those who are kind to the needy. You know, there's a wealth transference. It's in scripture. And sometimes we see things in scripture and our, our, our natural reaction is, I can't see how that will happen. Anyone else had that? I can't see how that's going to happen. Second Corinthians 5.7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. <laughs> I can't see how it's going to happen. We walk by faith and not by sight. What's that mean? We take hold of what God has said and say, you said it. If you said it, all I have to do is cooperate and you'll do it. <laughs> he doesn't say things and not do them. Romans 4, verse 17 says of God, he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. <laughs> he calls things into being. <laughs> Let's have a look at First Timothy, shall we? First Timothy chapter 6. Now, Timothy's, sorry, Paul is writing to Timothy. And uh, this little passage here is talking about, uh, my Bible has a, a heading of error and greed. I want to pick it up in verse 6. It says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with this, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What's Paul saying? Same thing that Jesus said in Luke 12. Covetousness and greed are bedfellows. Same saying. They are spiritual siblings. Neither are godly. Both lead to 
sorrow, loss, and death. Now, you could take a little passage like that and say, look, we're supposed to be poor. <laughs> but that flies in the face of other scriptures, doesn't it? So that's not it. Paul is not disparaging money. How it's used is very, very important. He's not disparaging money. In fact, he said, I know how to be in need and I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. And that didn't make him feel bad. I'm, I'm sure he quite enjoyed it. God has an abundance. But what's our motive? What's our attitude in it? What are we going to use that for? There are just so many clothes I can fit in my wardrobe. I am not looking to build a bigger wardrobe. <laughs> Paul in this passage was addressing the temptation to put money in the place that God should occupy. Don't do it. And, you know, we, we could think, well, that, that, that's, that's, yeah, that's only for, for rich people. Well, yes and no. Doesn't matter what level, what stage you are in material um, wealth. Money can be put in the place that God should occupy. And, you know, we talk about... Um, in our offering, it's not the amount, it's the heart. God is always after the heart. And if your heart is in your offering, it's well-pleasing to God. Hallelujah. So we've Welcome to church. Um, we've got... Um, <laughs> we can give online and we can uh, give in our, our, our post box. and God's happy with that. Hallelujah. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you said that, Jesus, you said that we can't serve two masters. We'll either love one and hate the other or despise one and be devoted to the other. We cannot serve God and money. Lord, our desire is to serve you. And Lord, you've given us resources and, and that is a stewardship that, um, that we don't take lightly. Uh, and Lord, I thank you for, for increase. Lord, I thank you for, um, 
for what you do in that, in that area. And I thank you for the promises in your word. Uh, Lord, that you are actually looking for those that you can trust, that will follow your will and your ways uh, with resources that are given. So, Father, as, uh, as we present our offering to you uh, in any form that that is, Lord, uh, Lord, just look upon the heart of the giver. And, Lord, uh, Lord, we thank you for what you have put in place and what you've promised, that as we give, that it will be multiplied and it will be returned. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You know, this what we were looking at in here was actually following the truth of the scriptures. And I said already that you can take a scripture and you can make it say something that it's that it's not. You can take it out in isolation and create a teaching a doctrine around that which is which is false and we know that the enemy loves to do that sort of thing but jesus said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free and it doesn't matter which area in in scripture what area pertaining to our life that that is that when we know the truth the truth will make us free. And But can I say, it's the truth that we apply. You can have a head knowledge of the truth and do nothing with it. And that does nothing. Actually, in, uh, James speaks about that. We might um, just flip over and have a look at that. James speaks about that. We actually deceive ourselves if we're in that position says it really really lots of things in James are said really really clearly aren't they you think whoa ouch I want it but James chapter 1 verse 22 be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror for he observes himself, goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's not a head knowledge, no. It's an experiential knowledge of what God has in his word. So a rejection of truth leads to any number of other things. And I would say a rejection of Jesus leads to any number of other evils. And that's where we find ourselves in, in our world today. That there are so many evils that are so prevalent and so in your face, in our face, that we, we sort of, you know, what, what, do we, what do we do with all that? Um, and 
Paul wrote it really, really straightforwardly in, uh, in Romans chapter 1. And I might, uh, I will read that because some of the things that um, have already been mentioned are in, the, in, this, in this list. Paul says in verse 16 of chapter 1 of Romans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also the Greek. For in it the revelation of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Then he goes on. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And all that we see is a suppression of God's truth. It's a suppression, it's a distortion of what God has said is, is truth. There is such an attack on truth to the point where the people would argue that there, there is no objective truth. There is no truth. All truth is relative. All truth is subjective. So the actual, the actual battle or the actual attack is on very the, 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 the whole concept of truth. The wrath of the God is revealed against all ungodliness because what, was, what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. How can you how can you wander through how can you wander through God's creation and not be drawn to the fact that there is a creator? It's, it's silly. It's silly. And you know, when when I was doing year eleven biology. I had been. I had given my heart to the Lord. I had had. I knew some Bible stories and had no decent Bible teaching other than that. And I was presented with the tree of life. This tree with all the you know dinosaur and this and that and monkey and all around there and swamp thing at the bottom of the tree. And I looked at this and I said, "That's silly." It's silly. And I had my biology teacher, Ernst, Ernst Smith. We used to give him a hard time over that, I tell you, in Wedderburn. Ernst! Um, (laughs) 
he explained to me natural selection, blah, 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 blah. Just something about it. Do you know natural selection as a mechanism for evolution was discredited about 70 years ago? And it's still taught. I'm talking about discredited by the scientists who want to find out how all this, you know, that they don't believe in God, but they want to know how it worked. And natural selection, well, that, that actually doesn't work. Still taught. They still bring out, oh, natural selection. Yeah, great. Good. <laughs> but this is, this is up here. There's actually, there's actually something at the root of it. <laughs> Let's keep reading. I get distracted. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Have you ever thought about going right back to the garden? Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Cain, Abel, Seth, um, and other children, sons and daughters, and Whereabouts in that process of the family tree did some of them do this? Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. You ever thought about that? You think Adam and Eve would have passed on? Hey, this was our experience. This is where we came from. You came, you came a different way, but... This is where we came from. This was our experience. They lived a very long time. They lived into multiple generations of what followed. Whereabouts did, did they reject the knowledge of, of God? It's not, it's not just a recent thing. It's been happening for a very, very, very long time. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them over to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonour their bodies among themselves. Now, this next passage, you can, you can think about the world we live in and you think, whoa, here we are. And it's been that way over millennia, it's just accelerating. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and, and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. 
being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, it's in there, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud. It's Pride Month. Boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death not only do the same, not only do the same but also approve of those who practice them. There's a list. There's a list. So... What about the Christian? We, we see all this happening. What, what do we do? Do we, do we actually speak against this and this and this and this? Have you ever heard the expression whack-a-mole? I think it comes from, is it a game? Whack-a-mole? Okay. Does anyone know what I'm talking about with whack-a-mole? Okay, there's this little little things pop up, and you've got to you've got to whack them, and well, and you don't know where it's going to come up next. Then you've got to whack, whack, whack. You know, you be quick to whack them. Well, I mean, do are, are we silent? Do we do we when these things happen? Do we do we speak against them? Or is it a bit like we're playing whack-a-mole? You know, which, which is the next thing that's going to come up? Because all this is fruit. All, all that list of stuff is fruit of unrighteousness. It's what comes from a rejection of the knowledge of God. Re, you, reject, you reject God, then you open yourself up for all manner of influence, all manner of stuff. It's the fruit that we're seeing. All those things are fruit. Trying to remove the fruit will do nothing to solve the real issue. And that's the root. You know, you can, you can, you can, and we've we've had this experience. Haven't you? you can have your tree, uh, your fruit tree, and and it's got all the, you know, what do you call them? Fruit fly, bugs in it. Okay, the fruit's useless. Okay, you can get rid of all the fruit, that's fine, but unless you treat what's happening further down, you're still going to have the same. Next time it's fruits, going to have the same issue. Same issue. The root of all this stuff is the heart without God. Jesus said that you will know them by your fruit. However, he always went for the root. He always went for the heart. The fruit will be evidence of what's happening in the heart. Yeah. 
But Jesus went for the heart. When Nicodemus came to him, he said, you know, we know that you're from God because of all the things you're doing. What was, what was Nicodemus able to do? He was able to recognise the fruit and say, you came from God because of this fruit. What did Jesus do? He didn't worry about the fruit. He said, you must be born again. He went for the heart. <laughs> he went straight for the heart. So where should we spend, as Christian people, where should we spend our time and our energy? Go for the heart. <laughs> Going for the heart. So we can get into, very easy to get into discussions with people who have a different Mindset, different understanding, different whatever about all this fruit. But how about we just go for the heart? <laughs> you, you, you change a person's heart, all that fruit goes away. <laughs> When Jesus came across that man in the, in the tombs, you know, cutting himself with bones and off his fully demon-possessed. There was a lot of fruit being produced there. You know, they couldn't bind him, they were afraid of him. It was horrible. And yet Jesus, <laughs> by the... By, the power that, that God gave him to operate in the Holy Spirit, he kicked out that evil influence. And that man was restored. Complete restoration. So that next time, you know, and the people said, leave us, go away, you know. But the next time he came back, different story. They all, they all came to him. And I think it was on the testimony of the one who'd been restored. You know, sometimes, you know, and true enough, we say, well, well, I'm not Jesus. Got Jesus in you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The only Jesus some people will see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. And we can't discount what God can do through any believer. That would just allow him to work through them.
you know, Paul in his letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For I determined to know not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his sole purpose, to get to the root, to fill their hearts with a knowledge of the Son of God, to get them saved. That was his entire purpose. And, and, uh, and he said further down that later he was able to... to um, speaking uh, with at another level um, but his initial purpose was not trying to persuade people into the kingdom his purpose was to present Jesus Christ and him crucified and in doing so, and he spoke, and it's, it speaks there that he spoke and then he demonstrated. Do we have a desire for that to be our experience also? To speak and to back that up with a demonstration of the Word of God. Let's not discount what God can do through us. If we present ourselves before him and just say, God, this is your desire. Your desire is the hearts of mankind. Use me. Use me. Would we be prepared to do that? Just allow ourselves to be used by God. And you might think, well, yeah, well, that's, of course, of course. But the scripture says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our desire is to follow you, to follow your truth. Lord, your word is truth. Lord, your promises are yes and amen. Lord, for all who would open themselves up to your leading. And Father, we do want to be led by your spirit. We do want to be led in what you've got us for us to do individually. Lord, you call us individually, you call us into a body, but we are members individually of that body. And Lord, you have a purpose that you want us to fulfill. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but all should come to a knowledge of you. So Father, I'm asking right now that you give us opportunities in this week coming, Lord, for for that to be the case, Lord, that we would have opportunity 
to go right to the root of individuals' issues. Lord, that you would help us to carry that, that, that word of reconciliation, that message of life and truth and hope in this broken world. So, Lord, we are asking for your empowerment right now, for every heart that's open to you right now, for every heart that desires to be used of you in this manner. Asking for opportunities, Lord, to speak life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the glory is yours. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I hope there was something in that to um, take away. Think about, work on, allow God to use. Because there's lots of work to be done. It's going to use the church. Who wants to be used? <laughs> okay. Thanks, 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 thanks. Thanks, Dad. Bit of volume, pretty please. Just a little bit. Thanks. Great. Can you hear me? Have you fallen asleep? Anybody? No? Cool. Everyone's awake. Wonderful. No, that was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, if you haven't got your communion little cuppies, go and grab it. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. You know, it's fascinating that we can that we can go through life and know about God but not know him. We can as uh, dad read out of Romans that you could know God, know that he exists but not glorify him as God. I want to ask us this morning, where do we see him? What do we see God as? Who is he to us? Let's just read Psalm 145, um, starting from verse 9. Rose, did you start with Psalm 145 this morning? It sounded very similar. Yeah, there you go. Um, Psalm 145, starting from verse 9. I want you to... It's very easy to, to hear someone read a passage and not take it in. I want you to open with your spirit and receive what this is saying. Psalm 145 verse 9 says, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you. 
We are his works. We're one of those works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. All your works will point to you, O Lord. And your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. (laughs) I love verse 13. It says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. <laughs> and that's what, that's what it is. That's the position that I want to be in. To know God, but not just to know God, but to fear him. To know that it doesn't matter that I'm in living in this time. He is as majestic and powerful. And he reigns now just like he did when he spoke the earth into being. Whew. Is that who he is to us? I want to just read one last Romans. Uh, go back to Romans one twenty. Romans 1, 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, are being understood by the things that are made, even his, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, they being people, Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. Let's, let's Let's not be that. Let's not be those who lose sight of who God is. Let's not be those who lose our wonder. I love that song. You know that one? May we never lose our wonder. I want that to be me. May I never lose my wonder of who God is. Because it is in that wonder that we can receive from Him. It's in that fear of the Lord that He provides us with an open hand. And all of that, all of that made possible by what he did on the cross. (laughs) So let's stand as we take communion.
Father, we glorify you. King Jesus, we see you. <laughs> Where you are, God, on your throne. Lord, we thank you that your kingdom, your dominion over this earth has never changed. But Father, because of what you did, now we get to experience it like no generation had before the cross. Father, we just dedicate our lives and ourselves to learning, to growing deeper with you, God. To continuing to unpack the gift that you gave us through the cross. Thank you. Thank you. Let's eat. <laughs> mm. For the joy set before him, he did this for us. Let's just drink and receive that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <sighs> Amen. You may be seated. Lots of things um, to chew on <laughs> for this week, isn't there? It's so good. I really love uh, so many gems in there this morning. Um, because we can get, when we see all the evil fruit, we can start to get a bit perplexed, can't we? Um, but just to get that back into perspective of Jesus went for the heart. God goes for the heart. And that's, you know, the root of all of that fruit. We can't tackle the fruit, can we? We can't tackle that. And, um, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm learning not to scroll on people's opinions about things. You know, and we can get a little bit caught with all of that, can't we? And um, not that we get persuaded by the opinion, but it can disturb us or, you know. So I've, that, that, had, that was really timely for me, Tim, because, um, you know, read some things yesterday, different, and I'm like, oh, that's that person's opinion, that's that person's opinion, oh, no. And, <laughs> and then it started to get a problem. And um, in, in here... And I think just to see, okay, we're not tackling all of those peripheral things. We're actually, we want to speak the love of God into people's lives. So that changes this, the root, you know. So Tim said all of that this morning, but it really resonated with me. And um, yeah, so we, we hear it and we take it on board, the word of God. 
and it changes us and changes how we actually relate to other people, doesn't it? You know, so that really helped me personally today. Um, notices. So, no ladies and men's um, meetings through the holidays except for our special breakfasts. Um, the ladies' breakfast is this one. And uh, if, um, if you're coming and you haven't let Chantal know, um, give her a, a ring, let her know that. So that, that's on the second, next Saturday at 8 o'clock um, and that should be at the Spring Gully General Store and that should be a lovely time of, just, uh, of us being together and uh, enjoying breakfast. It's my favourite meal of the day. I love going out for breakfast. So that'll be great. And the men, uh, men's breakfast is uh, the ninth. It's the following one. And it's um, you don't have to go out. You just get to go to Tim's. And uh, that's 8 o'clock, I believe. And... Um, Yes, sort of like a barbecue breakfast. That'll be very nice, won't it? Um, our church dinner, family dinner, which is uh, Wednesday the 6th of July, uh, 6 o'clock. And uh, Sammy's uh, asked me to ask ladies uh, to bring, if you're good at making a dessert, um, or if not, you bring a plate of fruit. Um, some dessert and just let Sammy know what it is and so that she knows that, you know, it's not all trifles or... (laughs) Although, you know, trifles are very nice to have. It'd be all right. But, um, yes, so it's nice to have a plethora, isn't it? Nice to have a choice. Okay, so... um, the pre-meetings are still, the, well, the pre-meetings on this week and then the following one is the church family dinner. And uh, just, just so that we all know um, some other things that are happening, on Friday the 8th, um, we're having a, for chosen kids for the older, grade 3s and 4s, they're going for a day out to Melville Caves, so 9 till 4, and um, that's just a, bit of a nice fun thing for them uh, which is really great to do that and so I think that's that's all I had down here so have a really great week and those that have got children at home a special blessing over your family for this um, next two weeks because school holidays are wonderful but you know they are a challenge they can be a challenge (laughs) <laughs> and uh, but um, yes, think about some of the things that we've heard today, and uh, and and let God change us from the inside out. So bless you all, and see you next week. See you Wednesday night for the premium. <laughs> Bye.